Each pale yellow wrapper has a picture on it, a picture of little Mary Jane, for whom the candy is named. Smiling white face, blonde hair in gentle disarray, blue eyes looking at her out of a world of clean comfort. The eyes are petulant, mischievous. To Piccola, they are simply pretty. She eats the candy, and its sweetness is good. To eat the candy is somehow to eat the eyes. Eat Mary Jane. Love Mary Jane. Be Mary Jane. An excerpt from Toni Morrison, The Bluest Eye. For humans, food is deeply invested with broad social meaning. While food has always represented the difference between starvation and life, between the possibility of establishing a flourishing civilization versus one plagued with death and suffering, food is also invested with deep personal meaning, with each meal potentially invoking elements of the political self, the moral self, the cultural self, and the aesthetic self. Our food preferences and aversions speak to how we see ourselves and how we wish to be seen, but also insinuate our desires to transform ourselves and the world around us. In Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, Piccola Breedlove desires, purchases, and imbibes the little white Mary Jane candies in an attempt to reconstruct her identity as one more beloved, or at least more socially acceptable, than her own black, lower-class, love-deprived self. Her experiences contrast with the idealized happiness of little Mary Jane, and in an innocent enactment of a consumptive ritual, Piccola consumes the other in order to transform the self. For Piccola, what Mary Jane represents transcends candy and links her to the cultural imagination of being privileged and cherished. Our collection explores this power, contained not only in the food itself, but in the power and images the food represents. The chapters of the collection enrich, develop, and complicate one of the more recent turns in food studies, interrogation of how food consumption relates to identity and power, particularly via American self-fashioning. Academic studies of food and foodways have flourished as food studies have expanded to include interdisciplinary approaches as well as varied methodologies, resulting in an increasingly robust body of foodways theory and literature. Enoch Podolsky notes that anthropologists have long been studying food and foodways, but are now joined by sociologists, historians, philosophers, geographers, literary critics, and others, all of whom bring varied approaches to the feast. Furthermore, as Alison Carruth reports, in the United States, the number of protests, activist groups, conferences, books, films, art installations, and websites devoted to food and food politics grows by the year. Thus, now more than ever, the academic interest in foodways aligns with the burgeoning popular interest in and activism related to culinary practices, representations, and ideologies. The academic study of consumption, since the dawn of the 20th century at least, has been largely preoccupied with the politics of consumer capitalism and its attendant social ills, most notably characterized by Thorsten Veblen's designation of conspicuous consumption as that which is consumed, either personally or vicariously in the case of servants and wives of wealthy men, in order to demonstrate excess capital in the face of others' subsistence or deprivation and thus establish and maintain a social hierarchy. Conspicuous consumption, and indeed all consumption undertaken in the neo-capitalist and eventual late-capitalist world, is later redefined by Jean Baudrillard as a version of labor itself, wherein consumption trumps production of goods and services. Thus the theory goes, when it comes to the consumption of clothing, 
people invest their time and effort into consuming, not producing, the garments they wear, and in so doing empty their clothing of personal meaning, but sustain, rather, only a consumptive process. Daniel Miller notes, For the likes of Baudrillard, people are merely the mannequins who wear the clothes, which ensure that the fashion system can continue to perpetuate its drive to constant profitability. For his part, Miller wishes to challenge this understanding of consumption, writing, Rather than seeing consumers merely as the passive endpoint of economic activity, I argue that they actively transform their world. They too see both the negative and positive consequences of consumption and have their own critiques. Likewise, the consumption of food involves potentially negative and positive consequences that diners are involved in sorting, considering, negotiating, and justifying. 